0: You're listening to Wild and Well, a podcast where we talk to people who use data and insights to navigate the health and wellness industry. I'm your host, Kate Wilson. Ashley Hopkins is the head of consumer insights at ASICS. ASICS is a global athletic apparel and footwear brand headquartered in Japan. As you can imagine, Ashley is an avid runner, but when she was just starting out, she had no idea how well she'd do. Then on one of her first runs ever, she accidentally ended up running an entire half marathon. And her love for running grew from there.
1: I was a collegiate volleyball player, so I played NCAA Division II volleyball. And I became really close with this coach. And he I call him coach more so than professor. He was the head of the um, St. Anselm athletic uh, track and field. And one day, we, we had a really disappointing volleyball game. And he said, why don't we go for a run? So a bunch of my teammates and I went for a run with him. And, you know, he's not fast, so someone who wasn't a runner, you could kind of keep up. We ran through the woods in New Hampshire, so it was really beautiful. And two hours later, over two hours later, it's probably two and a half hours later, he's like, you just ran a half marathon. (laughs) And we were like, no, there's no way that that's possible. And sure enough, he had his watch on, and we had run 13.1 miles. And he's like, how do you feel about training for the Boston Marathon?
0: After casually running a half marathon with her professor and teammates, Ashley agreed to do the Boston Marathon, but she was definitely nervous.
1: As someone who had never run more than, honestly, you know, without thinking about mileage or speed, you know, I'd probably done five or six miles just from runs with him, but not thinking about it, it seemed so daunting. But he had this incredible program that he took, I think it was over 50 students out every week for these runs. And this was when Boston, you could actually run as a bandit before you had to actually qualify. And we ran the Boston Marathon in 2009. (laughs) One of the the incredible things that he, this coach actually had 26 of my friends write me inspirational one-liners and put them in a plastic bag. And it was so cold in April in Boston that I put it in my sleeve and every mile I would read a quote and then run that mile for that friend. So that was what got me through those 26.2 miles without having, you know, run a full marathon prior to. That was my first road race. And then from there, just kind of progressed.
0: Well, Ashley used to be super competitive with running after the Boston Marathon, now she uses running as a way to clear her head and socialize with her friends.
1: So it became something that I enjoyed doing with my classmates and then my teammates And it became something that I did when I was really stressed or frustrated or just like needed a breath of fresh air to clear my head. Now it's changed. Um, I got really competitive after the Boston Marathon and started running and training for speed and doing a lot of 5Ks. Now it's something that I do as a way to socialize with friends, especially given COVID. There's not many times I can sit in a room and have a cocktail with friends these days. So it's a way for me to get out of the house and actually see people that I love and do something active at the same time. Ashley's
0: shoe of choice for running is Asics, but her affinity for the brand actually started way before landing her dream job working there.
1: The funny thing is I actually was, I went to a run specialty store prior to running Boston Marathon and they put me in Asics. So I actually have been wearing Asics even before I worked for this company. So obviously my relationship with running shoes has evolved since I work for Asics. Now, because I'm so in it, I acknowledge and know that all the technical aspects of the shoes. So for me, as I take that for the first few runs with shoes, I'm evaluating not just the, the step-in feel, but the springiness, the stability aspects, feeling whether or not you know, it's foam or gel. Is it weighing me down or propelling me forward? And now I just love that there's so many different feels that if I want to go for a nice, slow, relaxed run to help relax my body, it's very different from if I want to go for an energetic, fast, up-tempo type run. And I love that shoes give me the ability to pick and choose the kind of run that I'm going to do that day.
0: ASICS is an acronym for the Latin phrase anima sana incorpore sanos, which means a sound mind in a sound body. Ashley wanted to ultimately work for ASICS because she loved what the brand stood for.
1: Something that really struck me was that ASICS is actually an acronym and it stands for sound mind in a sound body, the Latin for sound mind in a sound body. And I felt that so powerfully in terms of the way that I lived my life from trying to focus on mental health, but also have been such a fitness advocate myself, um, that it really married the two sides of like, I think what makes me whole that I it was a brand that actually, like truly resonated with me and that I felt I could live as an employee. When I was working at my previous company, Mullen Mo, I got a call from a girlfriend who I had worked with at a previous agency. And she said, hey, I know you always wanted to work in fitness, you're a big runner. There's this really interesting opportunity that is available at RunKeeper.
0: RunKeeper is a GPS running app launched in 2008 and was later acquired by ASICS in 2016.
1: And what some people probably don't know is a few years ago because ASICS wanted to acquire um, not only the digital know-how behind technology of fitness apps, But also the data of all the types of consumers that would buy running shoes. So the opportunity was to kind of bring RunKeeper into the ASICs world and help everyone at ASICs understand the power of RunKeeper and and what it could do both from a marketing perspective and a data perspective, but then also bring ASICs into the RunKeeper world. So like, and they advertising industry that would be an account manager, <laughs> someone who could kind of marry two visions in one. So I was asked to apply and went in and was a little unsure because I wanted to get out of marketing in the traditional sense, but was told this was a really great opportunity. And if you can get your foot in the door in a fitness company, then you can pivot and grow within that world much easier. So I, I said, you know what, I'm going to take a leap and and it has worked out so far.
0: Ashley started out in a marketing role at ASICS. She has always recognized the importance of using data to inform her marketing initiatives. Since ASICS didn't have a consumer insights team, she quickly recognized the gap in the organization and went on a mission to fill the gap.
1: RunKeeper has the ability to um, serve up ads at the right moment for a runner, as you were lacing up your shoes, as you were completing your run, RunKeeper had used their technology to serve other footwear brands in the past. And when ASICs bought them, they wanted to pivot it to be just about ASICs, but not do it in in an annoying type of in your face way. So my role was to find opportunities within the RunKeeper app to serve ASICs branding in front of runners at that right moment. That was my role from the RunKeeper perspective, but then from the ASICs perspective, It was, what do we know about our runners, and how can we infuse our marketing with our knowledge of these runners? And surprisingly, we didn't have a data analytics team at RunKeeper at the time, so the data that I have is very, very minimal. The ability to harvest data was there, just no one was doing it. I'll never forget the day I received a marketing brief, and the marketing brief said, we wanna sell running shoes to people who buy running shoes. And that was, that was honestly like the number one takeaway. So I started just having conversations with people in the company who had more access to data. So at the time they had just hired a head of analytics and I said to him, how can I harvest this data to, to create better, more actionable insights? And he had started to hire a team. So I started sitting in with them and under, trying to listen to their conversations and Extract key pieces of information that I could use from a from a marketing lens. And as I started to do this, I just saw this huge gap in the company of translating this data into actionable insights and, and strategic business plans instead of just making decisions based off what we think we know about runners, making them off what we actually know about runners. So I had a really great boss back then and said, I really want to go after this. And he's like, all right, put together a business plan. Like, what would your first 90 days in this role look like? And so that's when I was like, oh, I actually don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) So I I met with all these teams that I thought would actually use insights and said, what do you wish you knew about the consumer that you don't know? Or what do you think you know, but you don't know that you know? (laughs) And I started just making like a menu of like Here's everything people wish to know. And I looked for similarities between what teams wanted to know. And then I honestly turned to LinkedIn and went through people on LinkedIn that had consumer insights backgrounds and said, hey, if you wanted to know this, what would be the first thing you would do? And so many people reached out and gave me advice. So I was able to create a 90-day roadmap based off of doing consumer journey mapping as step one to help prioritize all of the requests that I was getting from all of the other teams. And as I pitched it, I heard, well, we need to backfill your role. So if this doesn't work out, uh, you probably won't have a job. There is a lot of pressure to make it work. But luckily, ASICS has been super um, supportive and gave me the funding that I needed to, to hire a team of researchers to help me because I couldn't do it as a one person show and really took that off. And, and I spent about a year doing that under the marketing world. And then it was December 2018 when I was approached by the head of data analytics, whose meetings I'd been sitting in for almost a year at that point. And he said, I think that together we could create this way more impactful team than you could do alone in marketing. And so then he and I came up with a plan for me to move over to his team and really grow this function as a division within analytics. And we changed the team name from data and analytics to data and insights. And now insights has its own global function within the data and insights team.
0: Ashley did an amazing job building the consumer insights team from the ground up at ASICS, but there were definitely some challenging times she had to navigate throughout the process.
1: I mean, talking about imposter syndrome, I still every day I'm like, do I know what I'm doing? <laughs> There's a few things that make building insights function tough. One is the fact that I didn't know a ton about data science. So there was a lot of me truly just sitting in and asking a ton of questions to understand what can this data teach us and how do you extract it in a way that tells a story. One of the first things that my boss taught me is if it's not actionable, it's not insightful. So trying to make sure that everything isn't just like a you know interesting fact, but like what sort of decision or action should we be taking based off of this. The other thing was getting people to trust me. At one point, Asics, I had pitched this whole consumer insights function, and I had heard wind that they were going to hire someone to do it, and I was this inside person who had just created this business case for why we needed it and then had found out that they were going to hire someone instead of just trust me. So I was fortunate that I had enough connections with the company that they brought me in and that some of these people made a case for me and saying, just give her a chance. And then if we need to hire someone, we will. So I think knowing that there was that pressure that people didn't necessarily believe in me some did and some really didn't. Just kind of compounded upon itself with my own anxiety and self-doubt of, can I do this? Can I do this? So that was really hard to overcome. And like I said, I'm still overcoming it every day.
0: While Ashley has been challenged when creating the Consumer Insights team at ASICS, overall, it's been a really fulfilling experience.
1: One of the most fulfilling things is seeing the impact of your insights on a physical product and seeing someone, a complete stranger on the street, wearing a product that you know that your research had direct input on. It's the coolest feeling. And I just want to run up to that person and be like, why did you buy that shoe? How does it feel? What do you think about this, this, and this? It's just, it's, it's like a sick thing now where I look at people's feet instead of their faces when I walk down the street. But knowing that the research has a direct impact on product that affects people in their day-to-day lives, I think is the absolute most fulfilling thing.
0: Speaking of insights having a direct impact on product, Ashley tells a really cool story about how insights were used to create ASIC shoes for kids.
1: There is a really fun one that this is like very scrappy research. When I was first trying to get this insights function off the ground, I was asked, how do we create product designs for children, and they wanted me to, to interview a bunch of kids. Well, as a one-person show who had no experience in market research prior to, I was like, I think there's some ethical things i have to worry about here. So I got real scrappy, and I called up and reached out to teachers across the U.S. and said, if I send you a coloring page of a ASIC sneaker, can you have your students draw what their ideal shoe would look like? And so many teachers were super excited to have an activity. It was the end of the school year. So they were like ready to be done. And they had the, the students fill, fill out the coloring books. Some students wanted to send pictures and of their current shoes or what their cool shoes would look like. And a lot of them wrote or told stories about what the shoes would do. And so when I was analyzing all the photos, I'm lucky I have some data scientists that could you know, once you upload the photos, actually do some cool analysis on the colors, I thought we'd find like, oh, rainbow shoes or blue shoes are like the new thing. What I actually found is shoes that tell stories are super impactful for children. And so in presenting the, to the children's team, I was like, it's not just about blues and rainbows and whatever. It's about this shoe is your unicorn shoe and it's going to make you feel like you're flying. And so the way that they've created shoes now is with this story lens in mind. And we actually just had a bunch of like tiger shoes online and we have a few other cool ones coming out in the next few seasons. But a lot of that was impacted by that coloring activity that you could call market research back a couple years ago now.
0: While the insights from Ashley's team have helped inform shoe designs at ASICS, the insights have been super helpful in detecting defects on shoes after a product launch as well.
1: Yeah, one of the the biggest things that we try to do with our product insights is is get really quick feedback. So once the product launches within 30 days, 30 to 60 days, we try, we do social listening, consumer interviews, analyze e-commerce data. We send them surveys, some of our expert runners, talk to tech reps, our partners at retail stores and aggregate all the feedback into insightful deck for the product and and marketing teams. And what this has actually enabled us to do is identify some product defects before it, you know, typically they do this report 365 days after that's way too long. If there's something that's actually wrong with the the shoe. And we actually did back in, um, I think it was October, we identified a product defect on one of our biggest shoes and we were able to stop production and fix, the defect before it went into mass production and we we lost a lot of money so that's been really it's been really beneficial you know there's a lot of other things from identifying little bugs to on the website to identifying you know sp- specific niches within the marketing context that we should be focused on so it's been really exciting to see how it all comes to life and and every time it, it's a little bit different it's it never repeats
0: Looking into the future for ASICS, they're striving to be a leader in the health and wellness space by creating an ecosystem of products that help consumers have a sound mind in a sound body.
1: So ASICS has tried to go from a company that just sells footwear or athletic wear to a company that provides runners and, and athletes services across the, their entire day to day. We haven't fully gotten there in terms of like all the di- types of services that we could potentially offer. But from creating ASIC Studio to acquiring RunKeeper to help be that fitness tool in your pocket, to creating shoes that are, are not just running focused, but also lifestyle focused, to creating, you know, training tools and having professional athletes that can be there to guide you. Asics has really tried to create everything in a way that Could provide you the tools to have a sound mind and a sound body, which is again, what our company stands for and what we were founded on. So we're really trying to impact consumers life by allowing them the ability to get, get out and move, whether it's for serious run or that leisurely walk.
0: (laughs) Ashley's story isn't hers alone. She credits everything that she's been able to accomplish at ASICS and in her life to her amazing support system.
1: Having, such an incredible boss and mentor and then hiring such incredible teammates like it doesn't feel like it's my story in a silo it's it's everyone who's believed in me and have has given me the tools and the knowledge and taught me all the lessons I mean I learned more from my team than I think I teach them and so I'm just super thankful for having the people in my life who have supported me believed in me and helped me get this function off the ground that's actually impacting people in their day-to-day lives.
0: Now that we're done talking marker research, let's get to know Ashley a bit more on a personal level. Next up is the wildcard segment where I'll randomly ask Ashley questions in a rapid fire format and she'll respond with the first thing that comes to her mind. Oh, Literally it's meant to be. Okay. <laughs> First question is when was a moment you've had imposter syndrome?
1: Uh, <laughs> every single day I have imposter syndrome. <laughs> um I was asked to speak at a conference and I thought why would on earth would any market research professional want to hear from me? They they all know way more than me and I my mentor really really pushed me and pushed me to do this. And I received such incredible feedback from speaking at that conference and ended up gaining so many more friends and mentors in the space because of it that I recognized after that, that, okay, I do have a story to tell and it's interesting and it's worthwhile. But that was really hard for me to do.
0: (laughs) Totally. And I think that talk that you gave, people have been raving about it. Like people that I know, they're like, we heard Ashley's talk. It was so amazing. Aww. Yeah. Keep doing it. Um, okay. What is a personality trait that you share with your relatives?
1: Uh, story, probably talking too much storytelling. I feel like I can tell stories that drag on and dra- drag on and drag on. And it's definitely a family trait. <laughs> so <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite thing to do for your health? Uh, I mean, running definitely. I will say that my husband and I bought a Peloton at the beginning of COVID. And that has been a game changer um, in terms of like multitasking, being able to take notes or or work while I'm on the bike, but also have like an instructor at my fingertips is incredible.
0: Do you have a favorite class? I know they have Beyonce. Mm -hmm. They have all these themed ones.
1: I love everything Robin. She's just like, I wish I could wake up to her as my alarm clock giving me like a daily mantra. I take her class and I feel like such a badass after.
0: When you're at a party, where
1: can someone find you? Um probably socializing in the middle of the room. Life of the party. I I mean I'm not like standing on a table or anything, but I'm probably talking to a bazillion people.
0: What advice would you give your younger self?
1: Probably, if, if you can dream it, you can do it. I'm doing exactly what I hoped I would be doing when I majored in psychology back at school, but I never would have ever imagined that I, it would be at a global company in an industry that I'm super passionate about doing something that I created for myself. Um, so just if you, if you can dream it, you can do it.
0: That's amazing. What is your market research superpower?
1: I think, I think it's creating actionable um, insights off of the data and presenting it in a very succinct way, which is ironic because I'm not very succinct when I talk. <laughs> I have a rule that when we present when we present insights, we don't have decks that are longer than fifteen pages. <laughs>
0: That's an amazing role. Everyone should
1: follow that. <laughs> okay. So
0: I asked my friends this question when we go up to Napa and go to wineries. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, You are a certain age chronologically, but how old do you think your soul is?
1: Oh, oh my gosh. That's so tough.
0: Old soul, young soul. Like what do you got going on?
1: I mean, I feel like I'm young soul, but not like a young naive soul. Okay. Like, like I have a soul that could live in the nineties forever, (laughs) but just like, always wants to be playful and fun.
0: (laughs) What is the, so similar, what is the best piece of advice you've been given?
1: Hmm. Oh, gosh. My my first boss out of out of or my first boss when I was in college, she used to tell me "fake it till you make it," and I think that is also one of those things that actually like helps combat imposter syndrome. And I actually my best friend made this for me, and I had it on my desk since I graduated college. And it literally says "fake it till you make it," and I look at it every day and um, try to convince myself that <laughs> I can do
0: anything. That's perfect. If you have a quote on your desk, it should definitely be said for that question. <laughs> so true. <laughs> okay, this one's easier. What is the last show you watched and loved?
1: I mean, Schitt's Creek is <laughs> so good. So good. I'm really far behind, but we, my husband and I just finished Homeland, and I also thought that was excellent. And it's completely different from Schitt's Creek, but it was a, a wild ride.
0: Who is your favorite Schitt's Creek character? Oh, Moira. <laughs> is amazing I love David too oh
1: yeah well my husband's name is David so it's really easy for me when he doesn't do the dishes to be like "Ew, David
0: that's phenomenal <laughs> yes say that all the time <laughs> okay what is your favorite meal
1: uh pizza just all things pizza
0: <laughs> amazing do you have a favorite topping
1: uh pepperoni is like as basic as it gets but I I could eat it every day all day and I truly believe it has every single food in the food group. So we're, we're covered. You can eat it all day, every day. <laughs> do you have a certain style that you like? Like Detroit, New York? Um, so I, I do like the thin crust.
0: Okay. I don't
1: know what that style is. but
0: I don't know either.
1: <laughs> it's good.
0: <laughs> all right. That is it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed listening to the amazing Ashley Hopkins at ASICS. Have a great week and remember to be wild and well.